Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, September 21st. The Canadian government has accused the Indian government of being involved in the assassination of a Canadian Sikh independence advocate. What impact will this have on Canada-India relations moving ahead? We tackle the topic with Saira Bano, Professor of Political Science with Thompson Rivers University. It's a disease that touches so many. In recognition of World Alzheimer Day, we hear details on a new campaign aimed at promoting dementia awareness from Rachel Clare, Director of Learning and Support Services at Alzheimer Calgary. And finally, does the change of season from summer to fall leave you feeling blue? If so, you're not alone. We catch up with Karen Gallagher-Burt, social worker and mental health advocate, for some tips on how to beat the seasonal blues. The Canadian government accusing the Indian government of being involved in the assassination of a Canadian Sikh independence advocate. What impact will this have on the Canada-India relationship and Canada's Indo-Pacific strategy? To find out, we're checking in with Syra Bano, who is Assistant Professor in Political Science at Thompson Rivers University. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for being with us. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Can, uh, can you put a little ta- context into and on Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister's allegation about the Indian government's involvement in this assassination and how it will impact the relationship between Canada and India as a whole? So this is going to have a huge impact on the relationship. As you said, India suspended this now visa services. It means that situation is escalating. Uh, so this situation goes back to this uh, uh, this Khalistan movement that is uh, irritant in the relationship for a long time. Here, um, Canada has biggest uh, Sikh diaspora outside Punjab, India. And they have been demanding for um, independent Khalistan, um, an independent state for themselves from India, and which India perceives as a, as a threat to their territorial integrity and sovereignty. India has been complaining about these threats, but Canada's position has been that Canada is a democracy, and like any democracy, uh, citizens, they do have uh, right to express their voice. Uh, so Justin Trudeau at G20, when Prime Minister Modi raised this concern, uh, he defended that in democracies, we have rights of freedom, we have rights of peaceful assembly. So uh, so this is what, even if India like it or not, but as long as these protests are peaceful, uh, we have democracies to give right to express their voice. And when in June, this pro-Sikh uh, uh, activist uh, leader was killed uh, outside Gurdwara in British Columbia. And now Prime Minister allegedly Indian direct involve, involvement is, uh, is being found out by uh, Canadian intelligence agencies. So this has deteriorated relations, and it seems that India is further risk rather than cooperating in investigation. If India believes that India has nothing to do with it or nothing to hide, India is escalating the situation. India calls foul, says there's nothing to these allegations. So I'm wondering, is there, there an importance or is it necessary for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to, to somewhat show his cards and explain how he is pointing to this as being a, a possibility? So, he, so if it is coming from Prime Minister, uh, it means that there's a credible evidence. Canada has shared this intelligence with its allies, 
And our allied countries, uh, they did not raise any um, questions about the credibility of evidence. So it means that all the intelligence uh, uh, evidence that we do have are credible in a sense that our allies, uh, they didn't raise question on that. So, and if it is coming from PM office that uh, there are credible evidence. It means that uh, intelligence has solid proof for that. It means that it's not one intelligence piece that, you know, which may or may not be true. There is a multiple evidence. And what we see that our uh, director, national security advisor have been visiting India as well. So it means that there is a, and there is a, enough evidence to make this issue in public. In your view, then, what can Canada and uh, our allies do to hold India accountable but still maintain diplomatic relations? Are those two things possible at the same time? Right now, it doesn't seem that it is going to be possible. It's it's important not only for Canada uh, to stabilize relations, but also other our closest allies. They are extremely interested to maintain good relations with India because India is a critical partner in their Indo-Pacific strategy and in Canada's Indo-Pacific strategy. Uh, we announced our Indo-Pacific strategy in 2022, uh, and that is... India uh, and uh, in that strategy, Canada declared uh, China as a disruptive power and committed to improve relations with the region, Indo-Pacific regional countries with particular focus on India. Uh, Canada was in the process of negotiating this free trade agreement. Uh, there were nine rounds of negotiation and now uh, those negotiations are being paused. And it seems that relations are going to uh, gonna go worse and uh, uh, it's gonna take some time to recover from this and our allies they are prioritizing their relations with india so they all have issued sympathetic uh, statements but non-committal statements um, so it's important that uh, our allies like the united states britain and france they provide back channel uh, diplomacy and mediation uh, to keep relations stabilized between Canada and India. Very interesting topic, and I'm sure there's much more to uh, to come down the line. But thank you for bringing it to our attention this morning, and thanks for your thoughts. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. That is Saira Bano, Assistant Professor in Political Science at Thompson Rivers University. The Thursday, September 21st, which happens to be World Alzheimer Day, and Alzheimer Calgary is trying to change the narrative around dementia while fostering hope through their Still Me campaign. Joining us with the details on a topic that touches so many is Rachel Clare, Director of Learning and Support Services at Alzheimer Calgary. Good morning to you, Rachel. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, let's, uh, if you can uh, start from the start, and that is the campaign, the Still Me movement. Can you tell us about that? For sure. So if folks are interested, they can visit stillme.ca. And basically, it's a campaign to educate and empower Calgarians to help better understand what's happening between beneath the surface of a dementia diagnosis. So often when people think of dementia, they think of the late stage of Alzheimer's or they have a lot of myths and misconceptions about it. So we really want to break, out, break some of those myths 
and help people um, feel more confident navigating a diagnosis and feel more comfortable interacting with people that have dementia. And I mean, it's it's sad when it when it happens, right? It, but it's a, it's a sad state of affairs that we're a lot of us, a lot of us, and so many more of my friends are, are experiencing this within their families. So you've got a lot of activations, a lot of activities going on around the city for World Alzheimer Day to honor this day. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. So first of all, check out the Calgary Tower. It will be lit up purple today in honor of World Alzheimer Day. And uh, some of our activations around the city are at libraries, coffee shops, and even ice cream shops like Analog and Monogram and Village Ice Cream, as well as Rosso Coffee Roasters and Memorial Park Library. And really the goal is to get the conversation started and to have people think differently about dementia. Um, when sometimes people are acting differently, or if they repeat themselves or forget people's name, remembering that it's it's dementia and not pe- people may not be able to express themselves in the way that they would like to but if they could they might say it's still me in here and you just have to look a little bit harder to find me you know recognizing it in a loved one of a family friend maybe a co-worker is one thing but can we recognize you know dementia within ourselves is this something we should you know get screened for if there's a family history for example even Absolutely. I mean, it's always good to have regular check-ins with your doctor and to have a physician that you really trust. So if you do notice changes in yourself, things like maybe you're having trouble with finding names, maybe sometimes you, you know, you're going into the basement to find something and all of a sudden you, you even forget where you are for a minute, that type of thing. Um, and you could just be noticing that you're having more trouble following conversations. Maybe you're forgetting recipes that you've known your whole life. If you can have a conversation with your doctor and just say, hey, you know, this is going on for me. They can do tests to see if there's other things that might be impacting you. And then they can also, if it is dementia, really help you walk through that um, that stage. For so many people, they're so scared of the symptoms that they shut down. They socially isolate. They stop talking to people because they don't really want to know. And they're scared of what a diagnosis might mean for them. Can you break down just a little bit of an explanation for us? Dementia and Alzheimer, are are those two words, can you just intertwine the two or are they very different? Absolutely. And it's even more confusing because we're called Alzheimer Calgary. So Alzheimer is one of the many different types of dementia. Um, So when someone has dementia, it may be Alzheimer's disease. That's the most common type. But Um, Dementias are a type of brain disease, and there are actually over a hundred types of brain disease that can affect the connections in your brain. So again, the most common one is Alzheimer's, but there's many, many different kinds of dementia. And unfortunately, sometimes people will actually have more than one type. Let's talk about again today being World Alzheimer Day, the 21st, but then we flip the calendar to October, the Alzheimer Walk and Run, October 8th. What's that all about, Rachel, and how can people take part? Yeah, so this is a long-standing activity for us. It's the IG Wealth Management Walk and Run. It's on Thanksgiving Day at Princess Island Park, so that's October 8th. And for folks, you know, you're having a big turkey dinner, maybe you want to get a little bit of exercise before that dinner. It's an opportunity um, for us to raise awareness as well as funds to support the work that we do. The money that's raised stays in Calgary to specifically help our work. Um, Contributions are welcome of any kind, but we're also looking for people to participate, volunteer, or simply come and cheer people on. I love it. It's a it's a wonderful event. All that you're doing for this day as we honor World Alzheimer Day. We'll get send people to alzheimercalgary.ca for more information and stillme.ca for the campaign information. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. I appreciate your time.
Thanks so much. Take care. Rachel Clare, Director of Learning and Support Services at Alzheimer Calgary. The weather is cooling down. Fall is a handful of days away. So what impact does the changing seasons have on our mental health? Or, or does it really? Or is it just a thing that we like to think of? Uh, joining us to discuss is Karen Gallagher-Bird, mental health advocate and social worker. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. Do, is there anything to it, Karen, really? Uh, do the change of seasons have an impact on our mental health or our, 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 our uh, outlook and, and uh, mental health in, in general? You know, I would say it's a combination of yes and no. Anecdotally, it certainly does. Um, many of us are feeling it. I'm a perfect example. I couldn't make it in studio this morning because getting my butt out of bed was very difficult when it gets darker. I don't know how you folks do it. Um, but reality is there's not a lot of science behind it. We do know that weather and light particularly have a huge effect on how we feel. I always say emotions are generally an accurate indication, although we all know we felt in love before and we've been wrong. So um, <laughs> not a scientific one. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just another thing to add to the pile of the things that are affecting us these days, right? I mean, it, it, whether you, it, there's science to it or not, people feel this and then it, it translates into perhaps a mental health issue. 100%. When you think about moods and you think about weather or seasons, if you're in a room and you said, let's do a check-in, who's, who's your favorite season or what's your favorite season? Not a lot of people say winter in Calgary. <laughs> no. uh, most of us will say spring, most of us will say summer, uh, maybe a little bit of fall, but I think we all wish that the seasons were actually three months long each instead of seven months of winter and five months of construction. Here, here. Um, yeah, so I think that's how all of us sort of have a feeling around. I think the difference sometimes for coping is those who find ways to enjoy fall, enjoy winter. Um, sometimes that's if you have the privilege taking a winter vacation. Uh, sometimes that's ensuring, I know for myself, one of the things I must do is get out my seasonal affective disorder light. So I have one of those lights I can get out in the morning and while I'm getting ready, stick it on my, um, my tabletop and turn it on and just spend 15 minutes in. And that's for you two, I think, getting up so early in the morning, that might be something that helps you, whether it's at home or in the studio. They've become a lot more mainstream, those lights. It, I'm wondering, you know, does it matter, and I'm not here to have an endorsement from you, Karen, does it matter how much you spend or are they all equal? You know, they're pretty similar. You're going to get varying degrees, but under $100, you can pick one up. Mm. If you go online, you can get one, um, you know, through Amazon or one of those large partners. Generally, I shop at places like the co-op um, where they have the medical supplies. I find the quality of the products is very good, but that's just me personally. Um, and, they're, uh, and they do make a difference. I know my husband severely struggles with this as fall comes. He has a low-grade dysthymia, which is a low-grade depression all the time. And then it gets worse as winter comes on and we start to ache. And whether it's correlated or not, we think it is. So best practice then, if we think that the weather is adding to or is creating some sort of distress with us, do we reach out to a, you know, a crisis line immediately or do you set up an appointment or is that really kind of dependent on how truly you feel? I think it's a combo of how you feel and then other things that perhaps are already diagnosed. So I don't think it necessarily is 
on its own, something that might require a crisis work or a counselor. But if combined with other things, you notice uh, an impact on your mood, your behavior, your sleep patterns, that's a big one. Um, then, you know, it doesn't hurt. Have a check in with your doctor. Um, consider is there something that might help with that? I don't necessarily think it's something that might require medication, but it might require some behavior changes to get you motivated to move in the morning and to pull that energy in just a little bit more. So I'm, I'm wondering, and I, I know that you say that it's harder for us to get out of bed, and you say you don't necessarily have to talk to a professional right away. Could something as simple as forcing yourself, and it's cooler, I get it, out of the house, putting that warmer coat on and going for a walk, the importance of fresh air and physical exercise, could that be an antidote, Karen? 100%. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The other part is when you get up in the morning, you folks are getting up in the dark, um, but find a way to, as soon as possible, expose yourself to a little bit of sunlight. Make sure you're doing the sunscreen, all the health things for our skin. But that sunlight is like liquid gold. It really does impact um, how our chemicals work in our brain, gets things going. And if you can combo with the walk, if you don't have a dog or a neighbor, they'll be grateful. Yeah. Um, get out there, get you know 10 minutes out there, and you will notice a slight change in your mood especially if you do it consistently. Remind us, Karen, about the types of help that are available to us. Oh, my gosh. There is so much. And, and for me, always knowing that there's that 24-7 distress center, I'll always champion it. I worked there, but when I didn't work there, I still talked about it. So for me, it's always that uh, in the middle of the night when you don't have someone to talk to particularly, that's the best place to call. So 266-HELP. Or it's also chat and text. Um, see about your community if there's other folks around there that might struggle in the same. Mm. I've noticed that many community areas now have Facebook pages for um, whatever. Check on there. See if there's some other folks around that they also want to go for a walk in the morning because they also can't get motivated. Um, always finding someone else to do things with, it makes a lot of help. Mm. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time, Karen. We appreciate it because I think a lot of us think maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one affected. Yeah. No, no, you're not. So uh, thanks for letting us, letting us know that we're all, all in it together. All right. in, in two weeks, I'll be in on time because I'll be adjusted. Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk to you about that. We'll have a conversation after the show with you, Lateard. Oh, I know. Just happy to have you on. Thanks so much. Bye. It's Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker uh, working at the Distress Center. More online at distresscenter.com or, of course, 24 hours a day, 403-266-HELP.